the lot easier, making serious a lot easier. This podcast is powered by Faria de Oliveira Advogados Law Firm. On this week's episode, the European Super League legal drama, the anti-crime law in Brazil and the very awaited José Sócrates trial, the former Prime Minister of Portugal, the decision of the Constitutional Court in Karlsruhe about the Berlin's Rent Cap Act and the Commissioner Data Protection and Freedom of Information in Hamburg regarding the new terms of service of WhatsApp the short-haul flight ban bill in France, and the financial sector amendment bill, and, of course, we like to keep you updated. Russian president signed an amendment allowing him to run for president again. The United Kingdom Home Office decision on the extradition of the Indian billionaire businessman and jeweler to India. Malaysia's former prime minister appealed his 2020 conviction and... Myanmar's state councillor overthrown is facing new charges. By the way, don't forget to follow, rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. I'm your host, Natalia Faria de Oliveira. Shall we? ball is mine. The most spoken words more recently were the European Super League. You definitely heard about it, but let's explain the project itself and its legal implications. The Super League is a proposed annual club football competition to be contested by 20 European football clubs. This league was conceived to comprise 15 founding clubs, which were permanent participants in the competition and governing partners, alongside with five other European football clubs who could qualify based upon their performance in their domestic league's most recent season. Many, and we say many, hated it. They said it was pure greed, elitist, and that it was all about money. Well, haven't you just described the current football core itself? Well, anyways, many football associations such as UEFA and FIFA condemned this project, calling it cynical and that, quoting, this persistent self-interest of a few has been going on for too long. Enough is enough. Save the ones that hold the monopoly for organizing football competitions for over 50 years. Okay, many threats were thrown towards Super League clubs and players, but with little legal ground or substance. Both WIF and UEFA argued antitrust and competition law, but also has the Super League. However, it is also about regulatory and contractual framework of the Premier League and UEFA because it does allow for punishments as severe as expulsion from competitions and point deductions if clubs do not comply with UEFA and FIFA statutes. Plus, 
UEFA alleged that if the Super League indeed happened, it would breach players' contracts. Given this state that clubs have to comply with the rules and regulations of FIFA, UEFA and FA, and the league, and clubs cannot do anything that stops a player from featuring for his own country. And why is this an issue? Because UEFA warned players who take part of this project could be banned from representing their countries in the World Cup and European Championships. Harsh. We know sports law is special, but many lawyers understand that under European Union law, the Super League could actually win. Why? Because of relevant case law. The European Commission has previously ruled that the International Skating Union cannot prevent speed skaters from participating in new money-spinning events. That decision was supported in a judgment in Europe's second highest court, the General Court in Luxembourg, in December. Plus, this year, a German court took that decision as a precedent when it prevented the national and international wrestling federations from blocking a new competition. Furthermore, we actually doubt this project was not analyzed by many, many, many sports law and European law experts. After all, the biggest and wealthier football clubs were behind this, such as Arsenal, Chelsea, Real Madrid and Juventus. And it even had the support from the investment bank JP Morgan, which would provide debt financing of $6 billion for the competition. After all the fuss, threats and sanctions, clubs such as Liverpool, Manchester United and Inter Milan withdrew from the Super League. However, Florentino Perez, Real Madrid president and Super League chairman, insisted that Super League project is merely on standby and not over. AKA, I'll be back. To commit crime or not commit crime? That is the question. The Brazilian Senate overturned the vetoes of President Jair Bolsonaro to the anti-crime package law, sanctioned in 2019. The House had already rejected the vetoes in March, and now, out of 24 articles, 16 will be inserted in this law, which will be subject to the President's signature. What is this anti-crime package law? It basically tightened the criminal and criminal procedure laws. This is a weird name for a criminal law because aren't all criminal laws anti-crimes? Hmm? Anyways, this law created the judge of guarantees who handles the criminal procedure itself but will not be responsible for sentencing, similarly to the investigative judge in Portugal. It also increased the maximum sentence from 30 to 40 years. And naturally, this law has been subject to criticism, both positive and negative. And since we are on the topic, we saw the very awaited trial hearing of the former Portuguese Prime Minister José Sócrates. This massive investigation led by the Judiciary Police, the Marquis Operation, involved different people and companies. 
but focusing only on José Sócrates. He had 31 criminal accusations, which included three counts of passive corruption of political office holders, 16 counts of money laundering, nine counts of document forgery, and three of qualified tax fraud. It was estimated that Socrates allegedly received over 34 million euros. And no, that is not the salary of a Portuguese prime minister. However, Judge Ivo Rosa indicted Socrates only for money laundering and document forgery, given it called the public prosecutor's office accusation, quoting speculative, delusional, and fanciful. And that many, if not all, of the corruption crime statute of limitations expired. Which means too long has passed to indict or accuse someone, but it doesn't mean the person didn't commit it. Therefore, the public prosecutor requested an extension to the normal 30 days to appeal and annul this decision, considering the indictment has, quoting, substantially changed the facts. To which Judge Ivo Rosa accepted it last week, giving the defense also 120 days. Plus, a criminal law professor and lawyer defends that corruption is consummated with the payment of the last bribe. Therefore, the public prosecutor may invoke this thesis in order to revert the statute of limitations of the corruption charges. This decision has raised many concerns and negative criticism in the Portuguese judiciary system, as well as the discussion over corruption has naturally spiked, more specifically the statute of limitation of corruption crimes. At the same time, Lula da Silva, Brazil's former president and also accused of crimes of corruption, showed his support with I've been there. business. This case was probably one of the most controversial in Germany in recent years. Tell us more. The Constitutional Court in Karlsruhe ruled that Berlin's Rent Cap Act was unconstitutional as it violated Germany's basic law more concretely, Article 74.1, in conjunction with Article 72.1. The Rent Cap Act was enacted in February 2020 by Berlin's ruling coalition of the Social Democratic, Greens and Left parties, which argued it was necessary to keep rent affordable in Berlin, Germany's capital, in order to stop rent hikes and gentrification. It foresaw freezing rental rates for over 1 million apartments, which was supposed to last until 2025. After 2025, rental rates were only allowed to rise by 1.3%, following the aggregate inflation rates of the German economy. However, the parliamentary groups CDU, CSU and FDP considered the Berlin rent cap was incompatible with the allocation of legislative powers laid down in the basic law. Laws concerning the amount of rate that may be charged for residential premises on the private housing market are subject to concurrent legislative powers. 
States are only authorized to enact their own legislation as long as and to the extent that the Federation has not exercised its legislative powers conclusively. Article 70 and Article 72.1 of the Basic Law. Since the federal legislator passed conclusive rent legislation, the precluding effect of federal law leaves no scope for legislative powers of the state. In other words, who has competence to legislate about rent affairs is the federal government. Therefore, states do not have the authority to implement state legislation on the issue, overruling or affecting the federal rent legislation. This is foreseen on the paragraphs 556 to 561 of the German Civil Code. Big a bit to friends. So, if it's unconstitutional, what happens now? Tenants have to pay what is due since February 2020, pretending this law never happened, which means it's retroactive. Which scared a lot of tenants given they alleged they do not have the money. Therefore, the left parties who suggested this law in the first place are saying they will use tax money to help tenants pay their rents. Hmm, thank you? And since we are talking about Germany, Germany data regulators at the Hamburg Commissioner for Data Protection and Freedom of Information declare that they are seeking an order preventing Facebook from enforcing its new terms of service of WhatsApp before the new terms of service are set to go into effect. In case you didn't notice, earlier this year, WhatsApp has been requesting European users' consent in order to share data between WhatsApp and other Facebook companies by May 15. What? So this change would expand the use of customers' data to marketing and direct advertising, giving at the moment WhatsApp only utilizes users' data for product improvement, analysis, and network security. Stay tuned. Take a train. revolutionary decision, which was the French National Assembly approved Bill 3875 on the fight against climate change and straightening resilience in the face of its effects. This bill will be banning domestic flight routes which can be alternatively taken by train within two and a half hours. The short-haul flight ban bill aims the reduction of carbon dioxide emissions caused by the aviation industry and, at the same time, will tax airline companies by 2025, known as the carbon tax. Evidently, the airline industry criticized this bill, especially because the sector has already suffered due to the COVID-19 crisis. However, studies suggest that not many flight routes will be affected by the ban. This has already been implemented in Austria, three hours by train, but it's likely, with time, that this would be standardized to the whole European Union. And given we are on the climate change topic, New Zealand introduced a legislation which will affect the financial sector. How so? 
The financial sector amendment bill requires New Zealand financial sector to disclose the impacts of climate change on its activities, business and investments, which will include financial institutions with a, quote, high level of public accountability, for example, large insurers and large banks. Many changes are coming. like to keep you updated. Last season, on our episode When You Wish Upon a Star, the Russian Constitutional Court approved amendments to the Russian Constitution. One of them is resetting the term limit of President Vladimir Putin, more specifically Article 81, Section 3, allowing him to run again for president, not being limited anymore to two terms of four years each. And, well, Putin signed himself a law allowing himself to remain in power until 2036, aka I rule. Back to the current season, we told you the Westminster Magistrates Court ruled for the extradition of Nirav Modi, Indian billionaire businessman and jeweler, to India for his alleged involvement in the 2018 fraud scheme, which resulted in a loss of $1.8 billion to the Punjab National Bank, India's second-largest state-run bank. This was the Colors of the Wind episode. What's new? The UK Home Office announced that Home Secretary Priti Patel signed the extradition of Modi, given the court found that there was sufficient evidence upon which Modi could be convicted in relation to the conspiracy to defraud the bank. But last week, Modi appealed it to the High Court, so extradition has now to wait. Let's see. Najib Razak, Malaysia's former Prime Minister, appealed the 2020 conviction in corruption charges over laundering public development funds. We spoke about him before? Yes, on the episode You Better Think, but we focus more on his wife, Rosma Mansour, and for her three counts of corruption for soliciting and receiving from the managing director of a private health firm, bribes, totaling over $48 million. News about her? Not yet. But the husband appealed, arguing that there was insufficient evidence proving his involvement with a $42 million transfer. And back to Myanmar, on our episode Jailhouse Rock, remember the military is now in charge after their coup overthrowing state councillor Suki? So Su was already in house arrest, but now she's facing new charges under the Natural Disaster Management Law, which is very weird. We hope you enjoyed the legal issues of the week. We would like to add that you can submit suggestions, questions and cases that you would like us to talk further about. Just head to fariadolivera.com news. TLT can't wait for next week. Always making serious a lot easier.